0: After a longer and colder winter than usual, the warm weather and sunshine are welcome changes here in southern Indiana. But for those who suffer from seasonal allergies, the beginning of spring is a trigger for sinus pressure, sneezing, and itchy eyes. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, and today on Noon Edition, we're talking about allergies, seasonal allergies, environmental triggers, and the research on how allergic reactions happen and how they're changing. Our guests include an ear, nose, and throat specialist with IU Health, and a researcher from IUPUI who looks at allergies. Join our conversation and ask your questions about allergies after this hour's news. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving Southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net.
1: And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington, addressing public health needs by preventing disease, promoting health, and improving quality of life across the state and around the world through research, teaching, and community engagement. Offering undergraduate and advanced degrees. publichealth.indiana.edu.
0: Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald-Times, along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. I don't know about the rest of you, but I've been sneezing and sniffling and coughing <laughs> for the last few weeks, and we're going to talk about that, not just about me, but we're going to talk about allergies with some allergy experts today, about why our bodies react and what trends researchers are seeing uh, in recent years. We have uh, two guests with us. One is in the studio, jo- Dr. Joanna Watkins, an ear, nose, and throat specialist with IU Health. And Mark Kaplan is joining us by phone. He's a researcher who focuses on allergies at IUPUI. So you can join the conversation today, 855-0811 in Bloomington or 877-285-9348 outside of the Bloomington calling area. And you can also join the live chat at WFIU.org slash And you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. Well, welcome, everybody
2: thanks for being here dr
0: watkins thanks for being here mark oh
2: my pleasure
0: yeah we're glad to have both of you with us and uh i i'm not kidding i i have a lot of allergies so you know every year i probably say this but it seems like it's really a bad allergy year so is there any truth to that dr watkins is this worse than usual this year
2: well, I think there's some truth to it too, but you know what? Um, it seems like that's the comment I get every year with the spring coming. Because I think uh, a part of it is the fact that you know a lot of times people forget how bad their allergy symptoms used to be the year before, and they kind of forget about <laughs> yeah. you know how bad things used to be during winter months, and then now spring hits, and then, you know you feel like it's you know, worst island
0: seasons ever. Does the, does the, the, you know, the long winter that we had, did that change anything this
2: year? You mean polar Mm -hmm. vortices and all that? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think there, uh, it it is relevant because we did have unusually long winter months this past year, as you you guys know. I think we, didn't we have a snow like about a week ago? Or <laughs> We're trying to block yeah. that, really, doctor, and um,
1: move on now. We're in the healing mode now. Oh, you know,
2: literally, I was seeing a patient in my office, and I, I happened to look out the window, and I, I stopped, and I said, Uh, Sir, am I really, am I looking at the snow or am I really hallucinating (laughs) here? (laughs) But um, yes, uh, long winter months means that uh, we have a lot of catching up to do, meaning, you know, trees gradually pollinate with the spring coming. However, um, due to the late spring start, you know, they have a lot of catching up to do. Mm -hmm. So the pollens get released you know, in a shorter period of time Mm -hmm. rather than that gradual release that Mm -hmm. we are used to seeing. So Mm -hmm. there is some truth to you know, having burst of pollina- pollination mm-hmm. in a short period of time. So.
1: I wonder if there was a spike this past week because I noticed I have a black car and I noticed it was just really covered with pollen. Sure. It was remarkable. Sure.
2: You know, that's another um, thing that a lot of people are not aware. You know, that the stuff that you see in the car, actually for things to cause you to have allergic reactions or aller- allergic symptoms, they have to be buoyant, meaning that they can't be too heavy. The particles cannot be too heavy. So a lot of times the particles you see, they're actually too heavy to cause you to have allergy symptoms, believe it or not. Oh, that's so interesting. So
1: I wonder what it is we're seeing just... I don't know, bits and...
0: I don't know. You probably wouldn't want to scoop them up and eat them, right?
2: Oh, probably not. (laughs) Probably not a good idea.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I always thought that fine dust um, was pollen, but okay. I learned something today. Thank you. I have to
0: mention, since you mentioned the polar vortex, I was looking at some stories this morning about allergies, and I saw one that talked about the pollen vortex, (laughs) <laughs> is, is, is this year, so.
2: Oh, I like the term. <laughs> yeah, that's good.
0: Mark Kaplan's on the phone. He's in Indianapolis. Uh, Mark, I have to ask you. I mean, what what interested you in doing research on allergies in the first place?
3: Well, I think I I grew up with a lot of the allergies, and so it was a, um, a an interest that was very close to home. And got interested in immunology and understanding exactly how the immune system works and why. It recognizes things like pollens and and foods that people are allergic to as being foreign substances that you have to react to rather than recognizing them as innocuous, which is what they really are.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to go to the phones because we have a phone call already, so this must be a topic people are interested in. We've got uh, Ken, who's in eastern Greene County. Ken? Hello. Hey, go ahead, Ken.
4: I've got a question. Sure. My wife swears up and down that she is allergic to these Asian ladybugs. And in fact, we do have a problem with them. But it also occurs at the same time that the pollen count is very high. Is there any kind of evidence that indicates that the Asian ladybugs also contribute to these uh, allergy problems?
1: Oh boy! I don't want to. I'm glad I'm not going to be the one to answer this question. It sounds like there's a marital discord, <laughs> a little marital issue here involved.
0: Well, Doctor Watkins,
1: have you
2: ever well, heard of that? You know, not really. This is the first time I've been asked that question. But uh, my question is, what sort of symptoms does your wife have, if if I may ask? Up, uh,
4: sneezing, and um, running from the eyes and nose.
2: Okay, okay. The, the, do they always happen on exposure to just uh, Asian ladybugs, or, um, you know, that.
4: No, it doesn't, because I keep them vacuumed up out of the house uh-huh. deliberately to try to decrease any problem uh-huh. that there possibly could be. But she still blames it, well, those ladybugs.
1: Maybe the ladybugs come out at the same time of year that a certain um, some some other kind of tree or sure. flower or something is sure. is uh, sure. also putting out something that is yeah. an, an uh, irritant.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely a possibility. And another thing to consider is maybe it is something else. There's something third, um, you know, agent that we that we may not be aware of. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: All right, Ken, I want think to blame it on the. Asian ladybug.
0: You know, Ken, I think that we're going to have to side with you on this at this Mm -hmm. point, but if your wife wants to call in, we'll give her equal time.
4: Well, she's not going to call in. (laughs) Okay. Because she won't do anything about allergies, including being tested.
0: Oh, dear. But
4: I think it is all in her head, quite frankly. And I know that as you get older, you can also become more sensitive to things that you weren't sensitive at 35 45
0: 55 years old yeah well that's probably true doctor is that true
2: well i think um you know (laughs) your body changes constantly i i wouldn't say in general your body becomes more sensitive as you get older and older because because there are people who actually become less sensitive to things that you know that they used to be allergic to, so I wouldn't say that's true for everyone. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: But it could be true for some people. It could
2: be true for some people, sure. sure. Well,
4: we're, thank you for listening to me. Absolutely. I've we're heard about this now because these Asian ladybugs are a real pain in the rear
0: uh-huh.
4: and i'd like to get a hold of the guy that brought those into this country <laughs> and <laughs> tie him up out in the woods where we live for uh, a few while and uh, Find some fire
0: ants if I could. Well, I can. <laughs> we, we are we are not we are not condoning that. And I know you won't. No, neither are we saying that this is all in your wife's head. But <laughs> if she won't call, we're going to have to take your side. that's probably she not the Asian call. ladybugs. Okay. But
4: I've been dealing with this now, and we've been dealing with those darn things for a number of years now. And despite everything, um, they don't go away. We can kill them. But at the same time, then the carcasses are all over the place. And all I can do is try to vacuum them up.
0: Well, good luck.
4: <laughs> Thank you very much.
0: Thanks, Ken. We appreciate We appreciate your call. We we do appreciate your call. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> all right, you. Thanks, thanks Ken. All right. The phone numbers are 855 811 1877 1877-285-9348. Or you can join the live chat at wfiu.org/noonedition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noonedition. Well, I want to go back to uh, Mark in, in uh, Indianapolis, and I know you probably don't have a lot to say about the Asian ladybugs, Mark. But uh, I, wanna...
3: I actually was was looking up during the, during oh, yeah. the call and, <laughs> and seeing if there's any research on it, and there's, there's been a couple of papers. Uh-huh. suggesting that they cause some sort of allergic disease. Is that right? No
1: kidding.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you glad you did that. So, would you uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the recent research that you've been doing?
3: Um, sure. So, so one of the projects that we've been interested in is looking at at um, kids that are at high risk for developing allergies later in life. So, some of the very potent risk factors for developing asthma as a child are, are having parents that have allergic disease, um, being exposed to a smoking environment, even in utero. Um, and, and so I've, I've been working very closely with one of my colleagues, Dr. Rob Tepper, who's also a, a physician scientist at IU. And, and so together we've been looking at lung function and, and immune responses in kids over time um, that are at high risk, and seeing if there are early indicators for kids that develop asthma that we might be able to identify which kids are at the most risk before they actually start developing disease i
0: 'm mm-hmm. really interested in you know what you said about um, you know parents that have allergic diseases and also the the smoking angle and it 's um, you know,
1: the I, in utero part is particularly interesting right
0: i mean we I think we always hear that the, the Parents shouldn't be smoking around women who are pregnant, or a pregnant right. women shouldn't be smoking. But I, I guess I never really thought about asthma as being a, an offshoot of that.
3: Yeah, very much. And, and I, I think it, it, it goes to to the current theories, which are that there's two main components in the development of disease. And, and one is the genetics, and so that comes from the parent. And the other is the environment that they're exposed to. And so that can be the in, in utero environment where. Smoking causes a lot of metabolic changes, even if you have secondhand smoke, but a lot of other things that you can be exposed to as well, pollutants, and, and some of those things feed into what the, what the babies are exposed to once they're born.
1: So one other point of clarification, so we have a couple of callers on the line, but um, I noticed you're referring to asthma as a disease. It's now, it's considered a disease, not a condition.
3: Um. I don't know what the what the distinction between those two terms is. I, I, I mean, it, it's a disease. It's not an infectious disease in the sense that you can't cure it. Right. But it's a it's a disease in in the sense that it is something that we treat.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: All right. Uh, we want to go to the phones. We have two callers from Brown County, and the first one is Norbert. Norbert.
5: Yes, how are you today? Good, thanks. I, did, I just wanted to talk about the Asian ladybugs again. Uh-huh, sure. And uh, there's a couple of things there. Uh, we had one son that was definitely affected, That he was in the kind of the sunny forward part of the house where they especially collected and came in through the window tracks and such. Mm-hmm. And, but they, they come right out of the fields, you know, so they're dragging pollen in with mm-hmm. them, and then they're coming in through the <coughs> dusty crevices of your house, and there's so many of them that I think that they're, kind of like you're talking environmental, they're, they're bringing an environment with them. Mm-hmm. And if you are prone to allergies, you could be affected by the ladybugs then carrying that, mm-hmm. that, that allergen to you. Mm-hmm. And then to help the other gentleman out, uh, we use Kirby Pest Control, and they come out in the fall just a little ahead of the ladybugs. They time it really well, and they actually spray your roof and the sunny side of your house, and it kills the majority of the ladybugs mm-hmm. as they land mm-hmm. on Great. the exterior of the house.
0: Okay, great. And huh. it
5: really cuts it down. So Kirby, uh, just to give them a plug, I don't know why, but, you know, they've got it for us. And I don't know their phone number offhand, but they can surely help.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, I want to get uh, – Dr. Watkins was nodding when you were talking about them bringing the pollens in. Do you have a reaction okay. to that?
2: Yeah, I was just – that was one that I had. You know, a lot of you – you need the vectors for things to be, you know, moving back and forth. So that you could, you, you know, theoretically it's very possible that those – ladybugs right. can be a factor for. Mm-hmm.
5: You know, yeah, they're um, migrating straight out of the farm fields into mm-hmm. your house.
0: Right. And yeah. you,
1: It you, makes sense. It does make sense. Hopefully
0: you heard our other guest, Mark, say that he had done, he just looked up some of the research and there are a couple of studies that say there could be some allergic reactions to the ladybugs themselves.
5: Sure. We, we sure. didn't know. As I said, my one son would get a really, <laughs> you know, uh, runny nose and eyes swollen and stuff and he tended to be in the bedroom that had the more ladybugs. So mm-hmm. uh, he swore they were bothering him, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, he really seemed affected by it. But but as he's aged, that's gone away. So that's another point of gaining or losing or aging and sometimes uh, getting worse or getting better. So I think, as you say, sometimes a change of environment can make a huge difference as well.
0: Right. Uh, Hey, thanks a lot for the call. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. All right. We appreciate it. All right. We're going to go now straight to Dennis from Brown County. Dennis? Hey, is Dennis there? Yes. Hey, Dennis. Go ahead.
6: Uh, I was actually amazed at uh, some of the experts that you have on this call that it never came up, and I have read so much, and uh, maybe even in the HT a while back about the allergy uh, with the uh, Asian beetles uh, the, that were commonly referred to as ladybugs. They have created in lots of people, myself included, uh, from vacuuming them up, uh an allergy and a, a pretty bad one. Uh, I can get real sick if I do it that way. And uh with the vacuum cleaner and and I've read articles in various uh publications that also uh state the number of people who have developed allergies to this uh, insect. And uh I'm, su- I'm really surprised that no one on had run into that. It's a, it's a pretty big deal in different areas of this country. Mm-hmm. And your other caller uh, is correct. Uh, there are a couple people, the biggest <laughs> one is over here in Brown County, that can time it, and they've come up with a chemical. They, I guess they were introduced down south, and they've moved this way, those bugs. And uh, this chemical put down before they hit, just before they hit, in October, early, uh, we'll take care of it. But anyway, that's all. All right. It uh, really, it really is a problem uh, in terms of uh, developing allergies to it and, and illness.
0: All right. Well, thanks. I want to go back to Mark Kaplan and thanks, at, at IUPUI and ask you know when in your quick, I mean very quick look up of uh, some of the studies. I mean, can you give us any more information about what what they were well, looking at?
3: So, so I think they were. They did some skin tests, and and we know that cockroaches are, are a fairly common allergen, and particularly in in people that live in inner cities where, where they're a bigger problem. Um, and and so the studies were that that in a in a relatively large um, survey of skin prick tests, which are one of the ways that you test for allergies, um, that about ten percent were allergic to dust mites. And they say six to eight percent reacted to cockroaches or ladybugs. And so there may be some some sort of common reactivity to to insects and mm-hmm. and that's higher than the percentage that we're allergic to cats.
0: Wow. Mm. That is interesting. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well thank thank you for that. I want to give our phone numbers again, 855-0811. 1-877-285-9348. You can join the live chat at wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. You can also follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. We're talking about allergy season and what, what causes your allergies. Could be ladybugs. Could be something else. But uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, we have... Two experts with us that can talk with you, Dr. Joanna Watkins, an ear, nose, and throat specialist. Mark Kaplan is a researcher who focuses on allergies, and Mark's at IUPUI. We have another call from Brown County from Nashville, and it's Ann. Ann? Yes, hi. Hi, go ahead.
7: Well, in case you can't tell, Brown County has a ladybug problem. <laughs> I <guess so. laughs> um, we My husband and I have gone through a really similar experience to one of your earlier callers, and... I've found a couple of things that help. So it, you don't want to vacuum them up, because when you vacuum them, it kills them, and they release this really bitter, icky scent. And so that just gets that in the air, and it really aggravates you.
3: Mm.
7: Um, so just sweep them up when they die. Don't smush them in the house so they don't spread that odor around. And then in the spring, when they're all, like, swarming, trying to get out in the sunny windows, open up the windows like a crack you know no screen so that they can fly out of your house
0: okay those sound like good strategies i know you know i've had a an experience with them before too and it's amazing when they start to congregate in your house I mean, mm-hmm. it seems like millions of them
7: yeah we were pretty shocked when we moved here and there was just like the whole ceiling was crawling <laughs> right at one point right so yeah anyway i found those things very helpful in dealing with the situation what? and i I'm also hopeful that someone will come up with like an organic spray that you can mm. spray around the house outside to kill them in the fall. Mm-hmm. So,
0: well, hey, thanks. We yeah. appreciate okay. we appreciate the tips, and right. we've been hearing from Brown County. There is a problem yeah, there.
7: I, I've heard them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Great. <laughs> right. Okay. Thank you. Thanks very much, Ian. Eight five five zero eight
0: one one eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. WFIU.org slash Noon And you can also follow us on Twitter at noonedition.
1: Well, that's an interesting new trend in allergies. What other allergies or, I'm sorry, trends have you seen in allergies in your practice, doctor?
2: Um, you mean like uh, more specifically um, symptom-wise or, you know, well, are there, like,
1: do you see, uh, for example, a whole bunch of people coming in um, with uh, something new that you hadn't really encountered before that you tracked down Is you know, the ladybugs are a good example, um, or is it just uh, pretty, you know, predictable, okay, it's, uh, you know, the, it's springtime, the, these trees are in bloom, and so we're going to see these kinds of, of reactions.
2: Yeah, uh, so far um, this year I haven't seen anything unusual. Um, you know, it seems like a lot of my patients coming with the sneezy, uh itchy nose, and itchy watery eyes. And um, but I haven't seen any anything unusual or new trend this year, except that like uh, you know, like I said, uh, you know, a lot of uh, the, the pollination has been you know the, uh, occurring in a, sh- a shorter period of time. So mm-hmm. it seems like there's a burst of pollination and, you know, severe allergic symptoms mm-hmm. that patients are experiencing. Um, mm-hmm.
0: so, yeah. How, I mean, how, how do you, how do I want to put this? I guess I'm going to ask about the different kinds of medications. Sure. You know, there's a lot of over-the-counter medications sure. that people take for sure. short-term relief, but then there are things like uh, Allegra, which used to be, um, that the now is over-the-counter, but it used to be a, a prescription drug. Sure. and. Um, singular, lots sure. of other things. Claritin. 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 I mean, wh- when when do you sort of get to the point where you're recommending a long term fix for people?
2: Sure, it depends on patients. There are some patients who develop allergy symptoms only, dur- only during certain time of the year. Um, especially if, you are just aller- if your allergies are limited to you know tree pollens, then you may just need to take medications just for that period, you know, Mm -hmm. that time of the year. And if you're allergic to, you know, the grass pollens, and you may need to take medication during summertime to when the, you know, when the grasses pollinate, or ragweed season during fall. However, if you're allergic to things that are more perennial, such as indoor inhalant allergens, such Mm -hmm. as, you know, cockroaches and, you know, dust mites and things, you may, and if your symptoms are severe, you may need to be on something that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's more long-term and, um, you know, have to... Be on medications for you know for most of the year, mm-hmm. but there are besides the medications there are other treatments that uh, you know not everyone may not be aware of. Basically, medications are there to mask your symptoms. They are gonna make you feel better. They are gonna reduce your symptoms. However, they are not doing anything to your underlying allergies. And there are some patients who experience, you know, significant side effects from these mm-hmm. medications, especially a lot of allergy pills that we take could have potentially sedating effect, which may not be a necessary, necessarily good choice for you know, a lot of people and, mm-hmm. and kids who, you know, whose quality of life um, can be significantly affected. You don't, you know, a lot of parents will argue that they they don't want their kids to be on any potentially mm-hmm. sedating medications. So there are other, you know, treatment options such as allergy immunotherapy, which is on quote unquote only potentially curative therapy. Um, so yeah, there are other options, and and obviously you do want to avoid you know, to try to implement measures that. Uh, you know so you can avoid things you're allergic to such as you know you, if you know you're allergic to tree pollens or grass pollens and things like that. If you spend, you know, whole day outdoor doing things, when you come home, make sure you take a shower to get ri- get rid of all the pollen sitting on your body and mm-hmm. things like that. Those can be very helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to have to take a short break. We have uh, two great guests with us on the show: Dr. Joanna Watkins, an ear, nose, and throat specialist at IU Health; Mark Kaplan, is a researcher who focuses on allergies at IUPUI. We're talking about allergies today. If you have questions or comments and want to discuss, uh, you know, the allergies that you have and ask for some, uh, you know, some some help, some guidance uh, and share your experiences, please give us a call uh 811 877 285 9348 WFIU.org slash Noon Edition. If you want to go to our website or you can also listen, uh, go find us on Twitter at Noon Edition. You are listening to Noon Edition on WFIU. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Noon Edition on WFIU. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from The Herald Times along with co-host Mary Catherine Carmichael. We're talking about all that sneezing and coughing and itchy eyes. Uh, we're talking about allergies and allergy season today on, on Noon Edition. So uh, our guests are Dr. Joanna Watkins, an ear, nose, and throat specialist at IU Health and Mark Kaplan, a researcher who focuses on allergies, and he's at IUPUI. If you have questions or comments, phone us at 855-0811 in Bloomington or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat at org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So.
1: Um, I'm interested in, in, you know, whenever I, I was a seasonal allergy sufferer for many years, although I'm one of those lucky people who's kind of grown out of it. But I remember, you know, every year I'd check with my doctor and say, what's new? Uh, you know, are, is there anything better out there to treat treat this? So what's the latest?
2: Well, you know, um So a lot of my practice involves treating patients with allergy immunotherapy. Mm. So basically what that involves is, um, you know, you probably, you know, you have heard the terms allergy shots and Mm -hmm. things like that. And that's basically what allergy immunotherapy is. And, um, And a lot of my practices is, Devoted to that, and uh, another more recent development, um, which was you know uh, sort of up and coming, will be sublingual immunotherapy. So, it, the principle is the same. However, it doesn't involve shots. It's a drop therapy, or or you know the oral immunotherapy mm-hmm. that you can easily do um, do at home instead of coming to a doctor's office for shots every week. Yeah. So Yeah. That's very exciting. And, you, exciting. and you say the FDA just approved these? Um, not all the agents. The uh, FDA just approved grass tablet and uh, ragweed. Um, oh, those are two biggies, though. Yeah, they are two biggies. And um, in Europe, they've been doing this for many years. However, you know, that, that they were just approved in, uh, by FDA in the United States. So. Well,
1: that's very exciting. How long might it take from approval to being able to come to your office and, and uh, get a prescription for those?
2: Um, you know it is it is available, however you know for in terms of insurance coverage and whatnot it's it's a whole different story, so it can take any anywhere from you know months to i would say a year or two before it becomes more readily available so. okay well, that's exciting news for ragweed and grass
1: allergy sufferers
2: yeah, and you know it's a good option for kids who don't like to have a shot and you know oh, yeah, so
0: yeah I, w- I want to ask Mark uh, and this may be a really, really simple um, question or one from, from a guy who's coming from ignorance, which I do often, but um, what role does inflammation play in allergies?
3: Um, it, it plays a, a huge role, and inflammation is a, is a very broad term, but essentially <laughs> the, the acute reactions that you have are caused by, by triggering a certain type of cell that are called mast cells, and they release all sorts of of mediators that lead to the swelling of the tissues and the, the mucus secretion that causes the runny nose and, and the watery eyes. And, um, and then there's more chronic inflammation, and that's what leads to some of the diseases like, um, like rhinosinusitis which is really chronic um, irritation of the, of the nose and airways, and, and asthma, which is, which is generally chronic inflammation in the lungs.
0: Now I know you said uh, when we were talking before the program that you do work in um you know research in allergic inflammation and airway inflammation. Can you talk a little bit about that
3: sure so it, it's it, it's a it's an ongoing process um and essentially the the very first time that you're exposed to an allergen um you develop an immune response to it if if you're you're so disposed and um and, and so that essentially sensitizes you so that the next time you're exposed to that allergen, you can, de- you can actually develop a response. And, and what happens during that interim is you get um, T cells that become activated and that go to the tissues that are being affected so that they can be prepared to see those allergens again. And you get antibodies formed that allow the, um, the mast cells to, to become activated and, and trigger the, the immediate allergic reaction.
0: Okay. Thanks. Uh, yeah, it's uh, there's, it, obviously allergies are complex, and why some people are allergic and other people aren't, and all those kind of things. So no. appreciate it. We have a phone call, and we also have uh, some advice. Let me give the advice first. Michael called in about ladybugs. He says uh, organic product called diotenaceous tenacious earth kills ladybugs and pests that carry pollen.
1: We hope that doesn't include honeybees.
0: Right, there's an organic product, yeah. We can talk about honeybees in a minute, but Amy from Columbus is on the line. So, Amy?
1: Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, My question is, my adult son just got a cat, and he is having allergy
6: symptoms to the cat. They're not
7: severe, but itchy
6: head, itchy eyes, itchy nose. Should he take an over-the-counter allergy medicine, or should he just wait and see if he adapts to the cat? Hmm.
2: Doctor, sure. Um, you know, it's. The, I think the pet allergies are such a difficult. Uh, situation because a lot of my patients will tell you, doctor, I I like you, but I rather get rid of you than get rid, get rid of. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I mean, there are certain things you can um, you know try. Obviously, you won't be able to have a complete avoidance uh, of cats and, and, and what causes allergic reactions. However, things like you know at least not letting the cat come into your bedroom or uh, you know washing the bed sheets uh, frequently mm-hmm. or you know vacuuming the area where the where the cats play spend most of the time. Those things can be very helpful. And um, in terms of you know your question regarding if he should be taking medications or not. I think it depends. If It depends on the se- severity of reactions. If it's a mild reaction that he can, so to speak, deal with, then, you know, you always have to think about some of the potential side effects of the med- these medications can cause. And so... You know, it's 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 you kind of have to be practical about things and you know balance risks and benefits of you know taking medications. And another option to consider is if he gets if your son gets severe reactions and he still can part with the cat, and you know immunotherapy, like I said, maybe a potentially an option for him. Okay. I will let him know that.
0: Sure. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Amy. Thanks, right. Amy. Thank, thank you
2: very
0: much. All right. Again, the phone number is 855-0811 in Bloomington, 1-877-285-9348 from outside of the Bloomington area. You can also join the live chat if you don't want to go on the air at org slash Noon Edition, and you can follow us on Twitter at Noon Edition. So um, – with with children, let's talk about the most mm-hmm. common yes. allergies that that uh, you're finding with children. And both sure. of you, I know, Michael, you do. You're doing a lot of research in this area too. But, Doctor, why don't you go first?
2: Sure. You okay. know, there's a term called allergic march. So mm-hmm. the kids who are gonna be, uh, you know, kind of like a, you know, atopic children, atopic march, what we call. So a lot of childrens actually when they're very little. Their body actually not ready to really have that allergic reactions to inhalants like grass and tree pollens. Typically, they start out with food allergies, and a lot of these kids have ecto- uh, you know atopic dermatitis, and and then once they turn age three or four ish, that's when they start mm-hmm. becoming you know allergic, developing allergies to trees and grasses and you know mm-hmm. things that mm-hmm. are more inhalant. Uh, allergens. And then a lot of these kids, uh, you know, um, develop asthma as well. So we call that atopic march. And a lot of these kids tend to have, you know, these complex of conditions that go hand in hand. So managing these kids, um, you know, optimally, uh, their allergies, you know, as Best as we can can actually prevent further progression of their you know allergies in the future. They there is enough evidence uh, to suggest that uh, to indicate that if we treat them early on, they uh, you know they tend to le- develop less sensitivities later on in their life. Can and also uh, prevent the progression of their asthma as well. And I think Dr. Kaplan may you know have you know it, uh, he probably has. More, you know, information about that, but that's been shown in lots of studies, Joe. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Mark Kaplan, you you have done research in some of these areas. So, are are you finding things? Is there a lot of promising research on being able to to sort of get in early and be able to stop the progression of these allergies?
3: Sure. I mean, I think there's a lot of of hallmarks <laughs> that we're finding of early disease, and as Joanna said. Atopic dermatitis is usually which is allergic skin inflammation so kind of the rashiness mm-hmm. that that kids will get to allergens and and that 's fairly common in, in some populations you 'll see ten or twenty percent of infants that will have atopic dermatitis and and about half of those kids will go on to develop some other sort of allergic condition later on in life
6: mm.
3: so so that 's a, a very strong early indicator um, one of the, one of the things that that we found, and and Joanna mentioned this too, was that food allergens are are really among the earliest things that kids are sensitized to, and and egg allergens specifically seem to be Big indicators of development of, of other allergic conditions later on.
1: Do you guys recommend then that you wait to uh, feed children eggs? I mean, I know eggs are a part of a lot of things, but as far as just, you know, serving a child a scrambled egg or whatever, is there, or is it just going to be, if, if they're allergic, they're, they're going to be allergic and there's not a whole lot you can do about it? I, I just know that there are um, a lot of people who um, delay serving certain foods, sure. and, which I think is sure. recommended, you know, to their children until they reach yeah. age two or or sometimes age three.
3: Sure. I, I think that, that um, some of the sensitization can actually happen through the mother during pregnancy.
1: Oh.
3: And, and, and so part of the problem is that if, if you withhold the foods for too long, that when, they, when you do challenge them again later on, they're still sensitive. And because they've never seen it before, it, it, it elicits an even stronger reaction. Really? So, so a lot of the guidelines that had been suggesting to avoid certain foods for periods of time are actually going against that now and, and suggesting that maybe you do have introduction of, of foods earlier so that they can actually get develop what, what's termed as tolerance oh. to, a lot of, to a lot of the allergens so that you don't have the, the allergic reactions to them.
0: Would, would nuts go into that same yeah. category? Like, like peanut allergies sure. seem to be common.
3: Sure. So, so, um, they do to some extent, although that's probably not one of the earlier allergens mm-hmm. that, that that's found. Um, it, it and it seems to develop a little bit in kids that are a little bit older, so at the toddler and, and preschool mm-hmm. age. Mm-hmm. And um, but but yeah, I mean the, the same the same strategies are being taken that of, of the and this again goes back to what Joanna was saying about the sublingual immunotherapy is is giving very small but increasing doses over time so that you can tolerize and and at least be able to prevent dramatic reactions if you're exposed to the allergens accidentally.
1: This is great. There's a lot of really exciting things going on in, in the allergy field, if you will. That's nice. I mean, it seems like for a lot of for a long time, we may, you were just kind of stuck with Benadryl and
2: <laughs> tough it out. But this is good.
1: Right. Uh, you know,
2: another thing to think about is with the peanut allergies, you know, it's not just the oral exposure. Um, I'm sure Dr. Kaplan can speak more about this. But there is also some evidence to suggest that the uh, cutaneous exposure is like you know, a lot of lotions and things. Has peanut oil in it. Mm-hmm. So you can get exposure through that way as well. So, because when you think of peanut allergies, you're thinking about eating chunks of peanut butter uh-huh. in a jar. But, but there is some evidence to suggest that, you know, we get the, uh, the exposure through cutaneously through skin. So, oh, interesting.
3: Right.
2: Okay, we have. And,
3: got, and, and oh, go go I think that's, mm-hmm. that's actually one of the huge dangers of allergic reactions is that you get exposed through mechanisms that you don't usually think of. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's particularly true for foods where where nuts and nut products and eggs can be found in a lot of different mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't necessarily
1: think to look. Yeah, that's a great
0: point. All right, we are going to the phone. We have Paul from Bloomington on the line. Paul?
9: Hi. Um, I, I have both a comment and a question. Okay. Um, I I really suffer year-round from... Allergies, it seems. Like, you know, my my head stopped up, hmm. um, but particularly this time of year. And uh, I I have found um, relief with uh, uh, nasal rinse. It's a, mm-hmm. there's a product, Neil Med. Where just it's a a mild saline solution that you rinse your sinuses with, and and I found a great deal of relief with that. Do
1: you, is that like a neti pot, or is yeah. it just a spray? Like okay.
9: Yeah, along the same lines, only uh-huh. it's a, a squeeze bottle, uh-huh. Uh and I find it easier to use myself. Sure. Yeah, same sort of thing. Yeah,
1: you don't know, get that waterboarding effect. I know what you're talking about. Right. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um
9: and, and my question is, it, it, maybe it goes along with what you were just talking about. I've, I've heard people claim um, that bee pollen helps them uh, to, to eat bee pollen, and uh, therefore you're, you're taking... You know the pollen into
0: your system, and and. Can, can I add here? We have a question that came on Twitter: Consuming local honey lessens reactions to pollen, true or old wives' tale?
2: You know, I uh, I guess I don't know too much about you know the the, the therapeutic effect of honey, so I don't want to say anything. Um, But uh, in terms of going back to Paul, uh, Paul's comment about, you know, the eating, you know, the the pollens and whatnot. And that's basically kind of similar to, you know, what we are doing with the sublingual immunotherapy. Mm -hmm. Gradual exposure to what you're allergic to so that your body can develop the tolerance and blocking antibiotics and uh, and also going back to the sinus rinse it, it is actually one of the things that i highly recommend to a lot of my patients because uh, not only does it, does it help with the nasal decongestion uh, nasal congestion but also um it removes all the pollen sitting in the nasal mucosa that's causing you to have this chronic nasal symptoms so mm-hmm. it is one of those things that i often recommend to my patients before they, you know, apply nasal steroid or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. other type of nasal medications. So, uh, you know, I, uh, and like you said, I do also uh, prefer th- the squeeze bottle instead of NuttyPod because it's a lot more user-friendly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think you're doing the right thing, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's inexpensive. Yes. And it's easy. It is, and and,
1: and and I don't know. It kind of makes sense, especially when you gave the example of if you are working outside or participating yeah. in something outside, that you come in and take a shower and get yeah. the allergens off your external, and then the the spray or the neti pot is just
2: a way to kind of cleanse your internal. So that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a um, the I think. It, it a lot of people we don't realize how important it is to try to control your allergy symptoms in in an optimal fashion it can significantly affect the quality of life mm-hmm. And it's you know it's considered six most common chronic conditions in the United States, and we spend about eighteen billion dollars mm-hmm. to try to treat allergic disease, and you know six million people you know suffer from allergies, and and you know, it's a it's a big uh, mm-hmm. you know issue. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so simple things like sinus rinse can be very helpful, and you know <laughs> yeah. That
0: Paul, anything sense. else?
9: Uh, well, um, so it sounds like there's not much information on on bee pollen then
3: or any studies that you know of
0: mark do you uh I,
3: yeah I, I mean i've i've heard of it somewhat and i think it's it is basically the approach of trying to to keep some sensitization that that can tolerate you over time but i don't think that eating honey just routinely is is probably the best approach i think it's it's, it's something, particularly if you have a, a very dangerous reaction to it, that you want to do under the supervision of a doctor. Okay,
0: thank you. All right. Thank you, Paul. And that was Paul from Bloomington. If you have questions or comments for our guests today, uh, Joanna Watkins and Mark Kaplan, you can give us a call at 855-0811 or 1-877-285-9348. You can also join the live chat wfiu.org slash noonedition, and you can follow us on Twitter at noonedition.
1: Mark, are the um, number of, or the percentage rather, of people with um, yeah. asthma, is that continuing to grow? Yes. And to and what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just going to ask to what that's attributed.
3: Well, I, I think there's, there's, Probably a lot of things that, that it can be attributed to. I mean, one is that we're we're getting much better at diagnosing it, mm-hmm. and so so people who might have had very minor problems before are now are now being diagnosed as having some sort of allergic condition or asthma. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of environmental factors which I think f- feed into the increase of, of asthma, and and exactly what those are um, probably varies a lot in in terms of um, in terms of where you're living. So so one of the very interesting sets of studies that have that have come along in the last few years is that kids who grow up in a farm environment actually have a much lower incidence of allergic disease than than kids who grow up in a in a city environment do. Mm-hmm. And and some of the the idea is that there are either bacteria or other things that they're being exposed to in the farm environment that are essentially preventing them from developing allergic reactions in general.
1: Interesting. Wow. So I assume. How are we doing as far as managing deaths from um, uh, asthma?
3: Um,
1: Is that also on the rise, or, or are we doing a good job of, of managing it's, that?
3: It, it's 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 certainly still there, um, and it's still a it's still a danger, and and, and a lot of that comes from from. Anaphylactic responses to some of the food allergens that that we were discussing before, and and so the 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 best things to do are, are number one to make sure you avoid those things which are going to trigger severe responses that could be life threatening, um, but then the other is to have an epipen that can be used to to treat in those in those radical situations. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we have a phone call. Another phone call is from Jim in Bloomington. Jim.
10: Yes, hi.
3: Hi,
0: go ahead.
10: Okay, my question is, um, have you heard of any research done on uh, gluten or wheat-free diets affecting asthma and allergies? Uh, My wife uh, went gluten-free because her sister's a nutritionist and found out about a possible connection with wheat and thyroid. So she went gluten-free. Our household basically went gluten-free because my wife does most of the cooking, and I've noticed that my asthma and allergies have been a whole lot better since I've been gluten-free. Hmm.
0: Uh, Dr. Yeah. Kaplan? Mark?
3: I, I'm not aware of, of anything, and and um, people do have some allergies to wheat, and, and so if there were some low-level reactivity to that, that you eliminate it. Um, but there's also a lot of other things that change when you go over to a gluten-free diet. You're... You're changing a lot of the dietary components, not just eliminating wheat, and and those could be having an effect too.
10: Yeah, it's been very interesting. The uh, um, I, I'd say gluten, but it, it, it I don't know if there's just some component in in the wheat that you know was raising my my sensitivity to other allergens in, in my environment, or or how that was affecting me. But it's, it's been very interesting.
2: Actually, uh, Jim, is that right? Yeah, Jim. Um, actually, you're not the first uh, person who um, had a similar experience. I have had a couple of patients who told me the same thing. And what I tell my patients typically is: I mean, there's no definitive evidence that uh, you know we uh, that I'm aware of. However, um, you know what I tell, what I advise my patient is: you know, why try for a week or two and see if your symptoms get better? Because what I really care about is how their symptoms improve, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that's what I care most about. So I told them, you know, if it's not that hard, you know, try gluten-free diet for a couple of weeks and see if your symptoms get better. If if they do, you know, that's great. So.
10: <laughs> well, it, it was more of a gradual thing, and probably sure. a week or two wouldn't would work for most Sure, so
2: sure, I, sure.
10: I, I went for a couple of months before I, I noticed it. Sure, so. sure. Interesting. Sure.
0: All right. Thanks, Jim.
1: Yeah. Congratulations. That's nice Thanks. that you right. found some relief.
0: Appreciate the call. All right. We have we have about a minute, minute and a half to go. So I want to give each of you the opportunity to you know give some advice to our listeners if they if they're suffering from some serious allergies this time of year. Any like quick thing you want to tell them, Mark Kaplan?
3: Um, you know, I, I think what what Joanne has gone over is try to mm-hmm. limit your exposure to the allergens and. And if you are exposed to them, try and, and wash them off you or eliminate them from, from the environment as much as possible. If they're inside allergens, try and vacuum and keep your house clean. And, and don't keep your windows open, even when it gets nice like it is now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in adi- I'm just wondering, in addition to that, does, as we're talking about cleansing, how about drinking additional water? Does that actually help cleanse
2: allergens out of your body, flushing? Well, I think it's it's always a good idea to <laughs> keep drinking lots of water. Um, you know, especially a lot of allergy medication can be very dehydrating. So I, I think it's really important to remember to keep yourself optimally hydrated because these antihistamines can be very dehydrating.
0: All so. right. Well, we're out of time, and I want to thank our. Our guests today, um, Joanna Watkins and Mark Kaplan. Thanks for being here. For Mary Catherine Carmichael, uh, producer Claire McInerney, engineer Mike Pashkash. I'm Bob Zaltzberg. Thanks for listening.
8: Thank Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. You can find podcasts of this and other WFIU programs at
0: WFIU.org. Production support comes from Smithville Communications, serving Southern Indiana with fiber gigabit internet and digital IPTV. More information at smithville.net.
1: And from IU School of Public Health Bloomington.